Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast, where we chat with some of our pals and industry friends. Today's podcast is brought to you by Script Anatomy, LA's most industry-focused TV writing school taught entirely by working writers. Script Anatomy students have gone on to win fellowships, secure top representation, and land their first writing jobs on numerous network and cable shows. Be sure to visit their website at scriptanatomy.com. And we've been off for a few weeks, getting work done like Kobe, but I figure we're long overdue for a new episode, and so who better to have on after a short break? But my main man, my toucan Sam, my can of spam, his name ain't Pam, the co EP of NBC's Undateable, now live on Fridays, Mr. Craig Doyle. Yo, Craig, tell him how you feel. Oh, dude, I you really took the mic there. I really loved it. Uh, uh, that was awesome. I'm the best intro I've ever gotten ever. Well, I have to admit, I actually stole that intro, which is why it's awesome, because it's from an old uh, SNL skit with Chris Rock and Chris Farley. Called I'm that's chilling. Okay, that's, yeah. that's awesome. That's totally awesome. Nice. I love it. I love yeah. being such a company. That's a, that's a great. Uh, that's a great honor. I appreciate that. Uh, what's new, buddy? What are you up to? Other oh, than a new live uh, show. Uh, yeah, it's been you know as as uh, um, for the folks out there, the you know we Undateable is the show that I work on and and write for and and uh, every we're in our third season, kind of under the radar. We've been this little engine that could so. First season, we were a summer show. They tried to double pump and burn us off, and we did well enough to get a second season, you know, when no one was looking. And in the second season, they put us behind the voice, and we did great. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, NBC hasn't been a, an incredibly fertile place for comedy, so we have uh, we are somehow <laughs> become the number one comedy on NBC. Yeah, that's great. Isn't saying much. It might be less of a, a of a kudos to us and more of an indictment to NBC <laughs> not being able to kind of find something that fit. You know, it's like we kind of like... You know, we kind of think of ourselves as the jackass of the network, and we kind of somehow uh, get the uh, get got there. So this year, in this third season, kind of in in, in trying to navigate a populated, um, uh, a really highly populated network landscape and just overall television lan- landscape, uh, NBC, who loves live TV, um, wanted to make our show live all this season. We did a one lot, we did a one hour live episode uh, at the end of last year that was incredibly successful for us. Mm-hmm. And that begat uh, a full season of live shows. So we are now, uh, we've now done uh, two weeks of this. And uh, in, in, uh, an hour, we did an hour for the premiere and we did a half hour the other night for our, our first one. So um, we gave us 13 and two of them got burned off in the one hour and one there. So we're, we're, we're underway and in the zone here. And it's just been, uh, it's, it's been an absolute, as someone that's been doing this for a good period of time and it's been like starting over it's it, it's so I, I was trying to kevin i was explaining to you before we started like it's been i've had to relearn a lot of things there's a lot of things you're taking from the past mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out and repurpose and then there's this whole new animal of just like uh of the liveness of it all and trying to make it fresh and make it seem like it's live so it's been an absolute crazy town time it's insane <laughs> insane so but um it's been a lot of fun we're we're you know we're doing you know, I, I, we did a one hour which we last year, so we knew kind of what to do for the one hour as far as you know on the on or the writers out there. Store just the pure storytelling in a sitcom mm-hmm. you usually have an A story, which is your main story, your B story, which is kind of your fun story, and then maybe a runner uh, C C level story that's kind of like you know we would say it's like a Kramer story in Seinfeld where it's very you know slight, just kind of three beats and out. Right. And you know. So we did that in the first hour like we did before and it was great and we had cameos and musical guests and, you know, things that we had done that were kind of meta and fourth wall breaking for the live audience. 
And then when we got to this last week where we had a first half hour, um, we started doing, we started timing the rehearsals, obviously, and, and with the script coordinator and everything. And we were going to be like three minutes long with the most sparsest of uh, versions of our story. So this week we had to really kind of like go back in and figure out another way to uh, tell our stories and, and strip them down even further and without losing the integrity and keeping it funny. And um, so it's been a constantly evolving animal we just can't seem like we can get comfortable and get into a zone it's, it's always like you're on your toes you know right but uh it's been wild now did you have to alter your crew at all i mean obviously your cast it's you know a lot of comedians and so they're used to like yeah. thinking on their feet but i mean i'm sure directing live tv is different than directing you know single cam oh god you know yeah, did you have to get sure. like a, a live tv directors to bring in or did... oh yeah dude. we literally doubled our we doubled our i mean usually have four cameras you'll hear multi-camera is also called like old school people will say oh four, it's a four camera comedy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you have four cameras on the floor we have we have nine wow you have four four for the thing you have another four that are set up because if you think about it um well there's four there's there's four two sets of four and then one steady cam and a steady cam is to be able to, there's a steady cam operator who is going around and being able to catch things uh, in between breaks and what they call peek ins for, you know, like an SNL, like when between a commercial break, they might have like a quick pop in, you see the audience, you see them like, you know, people resetting the stage and whatever. Right, kind of right. like a, they call them peek ins. So we'll have those, those usually done on a steady cam. So yeah, it's been, so the crew has been crazy. I mean, the thing that's been really wild is there's no post. There's really not a post about it. Oh, yeah. We have a, you know, there's nothing, what do you, you know, it's not like you're sitting there going, all right, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do here? I mean, there is a post department and the guys work are incredible and they work really hard, but, um, that's to kind of end deliver things after they've aired there. I mean, we have to shoot the time. So it's like, that's been the problem in that, you know, in the, um, in the past, we kind of just shoot long or, you know, you have a traditional multicam sure. shoot, which is, you know, five, six hours, like you had come to, mm-hmm. um, uh, where it's like four or five hours and you get multiple takes and then you just kind of see what wins and, and then, you know, uh, something's funny and try something new. There's just no room for that. Like, well, once we start, once they start, it's on and that's it. That's it's the end product. So it's gotta be almost like there's no the experimentation process has to be kind of done at a different time than it is where you go, oh, we'll find something in editing or we could build a moment here with some takes and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, we just cut that part. It's like, uh, you just don't have that luxury. So there's no post, like there's no, there's no, um, I mean, the editorial department is, is, is threadbare as you possibly can be. And then also uh, on top of the cameras and the production, stuff like that, we also have a full live team, which is they built a control room in our stage. And then we also have a live truck, like you would see outside like a Packers game or something. So oh, yeah. uh, there's a crew, the camera crew is uh, a real interesting mix because it's kind of a mix of old sitcom folks who've done, you know, two and a half men to, friends and whatever. And then also guys who've done the Grammys and done Super Bowl. So it's like this weird combo. They're used to being, you know, kind of getting shots on the fly and catching things like you would at a, at a live event, like a, like, you know, Hey, you know, Kanye's running to grab the, <laughs> the, the uh, statue from Taylor Swift, get a cat <laughs> on that. That's, that could happen in our show with Crystal Leah and Grant Moore. And Hey, Chris is going rogue. Right. Get him over there. That's not on your shot list, but you got to be back for this joke on the other side here. Make sure you're in position over here. So there's so many moving parts. It's really kind of like once you kind of see it, it's a, it's 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 a, it's a different beast altogether. So um, so yeah, the crew has definitely changed. There's some people you don't you don't have a camera coordinator quite like you did before. Mm-hmm. Um, someone calling the camera. That's actually the the live director 
and then you have your sitcom director, Phil Lewis, our our our, our kind of resident uh, guru, who's amazing. He works with the live director, who's operating the live um, uh, the the live calls to the camera operators in the stage. So it's a it's a completely different animal. It's just so strange. But right. it's, at the same time, the product is still the same old multi-camera sitcom. So it's a, it's a weird thing. It's almost like you know, like hearing a music musician breakthrough that's a throwback. You mm-hmm. go, oh, there's a throwback element, but it's all new stuff. Right. You know, you're like, oh, wow, there's kind of hip-hop beats in it and whatever, but the voice is very croonery, and you're like, so I feel like it's kind of become that, and, uh, you know, that's been a testament to Bill Lawrence and Adam Stekiel, who, you know, and, and Jeff Ingold, who've been uh, our big bosses in there, the guys who kind of have seen what the uh, what the landscape is, is, uh, is about and making sure that we kind of adapt to it and keep it keep it within the boundaries, but also do keep the integrity of the thing that got us to a third season. So it's been like an adjustment literally every day. There's an adjustment. And uh, so it's pretty wild. No, it's, and for those who haven't seen it, which you should watch it because it's, it's hysterical. The, the thing that I really <laughs> like about the live aspect of it is we were talking about it earlier, how you really embrace the live aspect of it. <clears throat> and you really like when actors break, they, it's, it's, yeah. they, they, they'll sometimes go, go with it. <clears throat> Um, and, uh, and, you know, this, you, you definitely break that fourth wall a lot. And it's, as opposed to like, we were talking about Jimmy Fallon, when he breaks on SNL, it's just got, you know, they just hold it in right. and it's just like maintain it. Or you had mentioned rock, but it's, I just love yeah. how you guys, just, you know, it's live and it's just let it flow. And, and there's no, you know, sort of yeah. restricting of that. You just definitely embrace that whole live aspect of it, which I think is fantastic. Well, that, that was it. You know, we were trying to figure out things that, um, you know, that, that, you know, it's like the, the one hours were difficult because it's just a, the stories are so slight and to sustain a story for, you know, 45 minutes or 43 minutes of screen time, a sitcom story that's so slight. And so it, the stakes, you can't just keep escalating the stakes. It just gets, you, it just won't be believable. So you have to kind of like bridge the thing with bits. So you kind of go, all right, you're going to pretend you're a weatherman, and he's a weatherman, you're going to be a weatherman. It's like, okay, that takes an act. All right, cool, out of seven acts, how do you keep escalating the act You know, each time? Mm-hmm. You have to go out on different stories, you have to kind of escalate on different stories. So, you know, the architecture of the structure is really, really tough, but at the same time, um, you know, if we were to do this and it'd be so flawless that it just seemed, you, you'd kind of watch it and you'd, you'd peek in it to check it out and go, ah, oh, well, it just looks like you know, two broke girls or, you know, or, or two half men or last man standing. It's like, I don't see why this is live. So we had to figure out ways to kind of make sure that you had that, those elements that made it worth checking out as it was, you know, at, at the time it's on or to make sure you check it out. But it also at the same time, not violate the integrity of the story. If you just had a bunch of mugging and pops to the camera and fourth wall breaking things in and of themselves, uh, you're not going to get invested in the story and it's going to be efficient or foul. You're going to go, oh, these guys are having more fun making this than I am watching it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is I don't know what the fuck happened with these stories. You know, I don't care if these characters have no investment in them. So you've got to kind of like find the balance. You know, like earlier this last week, we had probably one or two too many uh, pops to the camera. And when we saw it in rehearsal, we were like, oh, okay, let's take those two out. And, you know, um, we added some some things that, that, that would add to that. But, Every week, what we have is we do um, we have a live band. You go to mm-hmm. we do live credits, and the audience of the guys go up in the the cast goes up into the audience and does them. And we have a bunch of different ones. Like last last week was dramatic ones because the band we had was an Irish kind of like Coldplay type band that had like kind of emo ballad stuff. So 
we kind of leaned into that and everybody was doing kind of dramatic, uh, really dramatic um, opening credits. And then they're in the audience and they run down into the stage for the first one, the first thing. And then we go to, we go to the band at the very end during the, the tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's content and then you see the writers and you see the people come out kind of like an SNL, very end of SNL. So we wanted those things that those kind of frame the show in the sense that you go, all right, cool. They're making a live sitcom. You're seeing behind the scenes and so on and so on. But it, within the show and the content of the actual sitcom and the jokes, uh, we wanted to make sure you did enough of them that made it realize that it wasn't that you knew that we were doing something live and at the same time didn't, uh, didn't muck up the story, you know, and make it, make you kind of go, oh, these, these characters are cartoony as it is. Let's not make them so broad that right. this is so weird that I can't watch this again, you know. Um, so, so what, like this last week, we had two different jokes that when we wrote them as a staff, we, we were going through the script, we're like, okay, here's two places. Um, well, there's three things we did. And then the other thing was that with a current event joke, we're always trying to find current event things that happened either that day right. over the story. So like the first one, Justin Bieber's penis was, on, you know, that picture was brand new. So we, we did Justin Bieber's dick things that day. <laughs> and then this last week, it was the Playboy, Playboy's not doing nude pictures anymore. Oh, right. So we did yeah. a current event joke at the top of the scene and then... There were two. There were two jokes within the body of the show. One was um, one was where we made fun of Ron Funches, who plays Shelley, mm-hmm. uh, that he didn't know was coming. Um, that in the script it said, you know, it said something different. But then we told Crystalia, who had the joke, uh, to say this, you know, whispered in his ear before he went out. And then we had another one uh, for Bridget Mendler, where it was supposed to be something where they were in an insult battle, and then uh, he said something about her show. Uh, Good luck, Charlie. The Disney show right. is on, and she, you saw her kind of break for uh-huh. a second. So we try to do things like that that are fast, and then you, they have to stay in them. But you see them go, "Oh shit!" But they make you feel like you're there, going, "Oh my god, that's great!" Right. But then immediately you're back in the story. So, so that sometimes that can be difficult to kind of to gauge because uh, we think it's fun, but we're like, you're just flipping around the dials, and you saw that, you'd be like, "What? Are these, these people are fucking weird." But who finds it anyway? This isn't a sitcom. Right, right, right. So, you know, we have to, it's, it's constantly trying to evolve and find that, that line, you know, that line. So, and but it's wild. And what, one thing that, that definitely stood out, and I, I want to ask about it just because it, it was interesting to me and, and to find out if the phone number, when they gave out the phone, their phone oh, number, and the, right, was, were those actually working phone numbers? It felt like they were. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. Okay. So this is funny. All right. So, so, um, for the, uh, the audience out there, what we did, another live element that we're running through the entire series. If, okay, so Bill Lawrence, you know, he did Scrubs. Mm-hmm. On Scrubs, they, uh, Zach Braff's character gave out Donald Faison's character's number, and for two years, while they made that show, that, that phone, it was, it was a hardline phone, was ringing. You just, they turned the ringer off, you just pick it up at any time and start answering it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, Zach would answer it, or one of the writers would answer it, or Bill would answer it, and these people were calling from wherever, and they'd be oh my God. She was like, let's do that again with a cell phone number. And it worked into the story where um, Brent Morin's character, Justin, was trying to get revenge on, on Chris's character. Um, so he gave out the number, and we kind of did a wink where they repeated it twice. And uh, the number is, if you want to call it, is 313-525-2014. Call it. Um, it has, we did that on the live premiere. It has been ringing for the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, we've all been answering it. It's a real number. It's a cell phone that we got. But it's Danny's phone. Has, I think that it has a, that, that Chris recorded Danny's outgoing message, and you call it, text it. It's a cell, you know, it's a cell phone number. 
and we put it in airplane mode, and we it's in a drawer somewhere with one of the EPs, and then, uh, hey, let's take the phone out. We take it off, turn it off airplane mode, and immediately starts ringing. We answer <laughs> the phone, and we have blown people's minds. It's insane. So on the show, it really rang on the one broadcast, and Chris answered it, and this is the funny thing. It was my brother. Oh, wow. My brother, Scott. It was up in 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 he was up in Washington State. Called and got through to Chris. So he's like, "Hey, Chris, and Chris couldn't hear anything." And he's like, and "Chris has met him before." And Chris is like, "Dude, what? Who is this? Dude, I don't know you." He's really talking to my brother. My brother's like, "Chris, it's Scott Doyle. It's, it's Craig's brother, man. What are you doing? I'm calling you on TV." Like this thing. But <laughs> Chris really couldn't hear because the audience was so loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also just hearing a mumble of my brother being overexcited. Right. He just heard this guy like kind of spilling his guts to him. He's like, "Dude, I don't know you." And then he said. Too fr- that guy's too friendly for my taste and hung up. That was actually my real brother. That's funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. So, in the week, uh, we've been doing this thing with Periscope, um, uh, through Periscope, where we're doing like kind of peek-ins to everything, and uh, we, we will just have people answer the phone, and I answer the phone, and some of the other writers answer the phone, and we've got like groups of stoner kids that are like tripping out, and they're all screaming, and then we've caught some people completely off guard that, you know, that were walking, you know. But the number has been one of those interactive things that we've been trying to uh, incorporate into the show and make fun uh, that we could use any time. So, like, if we in the show, we just go, we need a, we need a bit. Chris can just turn on that phone, it'll ring, and it'll just answer and, uh, and talk to a real person on on on, uh, on, the, on on in things. So we've got calls from Russia, Brazil, Mexico, and then all the way across the United States. So it's become this little like. Uh, it's become this like little Easter egg that kind of blew up and been insane. So the so the phone number is genuinely uh, uh, genuinely taken off. And then this week I I I, I write the promos for the show that you see during on NBC, mm-hmm. and uh, I wrote a promo with uh, Brent bringing down the um, in the audience. Uh, you know, one of the promos that hopefully runs during it, like tonight's Sunday night football game of Brent with the number. So we're trying to make it like like a national story. <laughs> it's the phone number of, of a sitcom character that, that people keep calling and interact with the show. So all these things kind of in the bigger umbrella thing are elements that we're trying to make the show different. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, it's live. That's one thing that makes it different. There's a big interactive thing in social media that we're trying to, we're trying to do. And, you know, all these things like the phone number and people, you know, it, before the shows, the audience members who come in, uh, we wrap them, pull them, and put them as extras in the background of the scene, and then they could live tweet from there. And we have Vine stars and social media people that are there who are we'll put in the thing, and they're vining from inside the set while it's filming. And we'll have Chris, Chris or Brand or one of the actors or Bridget or something. We'll we'll do it. We'll do an Instagram right as they're about to make an entrance, and we're trying to have fun with all that stuff. So it just feels like it's something like everyone's a part of, or they're seeing a little bit behind it because, um, and, and and it's all seemed to be getting. A good attention and and and, and legs, so it's been fun. But the, the I think probably the phone number has been the probably the flagship of those kind of crazy bits that we've been trying. Yeah, and it's going to run all season. You're going to keep it. Yeah, back. yeah, nice. that's the idea. So right. we're hoping it does. So we just keep going after it. And, and yeah, so it's been it's been the phone number has been an absolute. Uh, it's been a gem. It's been really funny. That's I've caught a couple of people on there. I called this one dude. This one guy called from Texas, and I talked to him, and uh, he was so gobsmacked he didn't he just kept repeating his name and where he was from <laughs> and I, I talked to him asking him questions and he just kept saying this is dave from tyler texas it was like a guy that he thought he went into like the nigerian candidate like i, I was just really brain <laughs> off and, dave and, dave. and i was like okay dave i'll talk to you later keep watching and then you had other guys that you could just tell that they just finished a bong talk and they're like no way and 
we've had uh, you know some super fans got through, and obviously my brother got through. So it's been uh, it's been funny, That's funny hysterical. to see how how far that thing's reached already. And the, the phone number again is three one three five two five two zero one four. Yeah, so, so call. Uh, call it. You might yeah. get through. You might talk to me. You might talk to Bill Watts. You might talk to uh, uh, more likely you'll talk to one of the actors uh, while they're rehearsing. And uh, uh, so they, it's, they, it's pretty they, ridiculous. That's funny how you guys check it even when you guys aren't shooting live. It's just oh yeah, randomly because they're switching around and they're like, we'll walk in and we're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, hey, Chris, you want to answer some phones? He's just sitting in a booth, like waiting to be, kind of, you know, waiting for the next setup or next, and you know, a lot of cameras are figuring out what they're doing. And he'll talk about it and he'll, he'll answer. There'll be like 3,000 texts and he'll just start oh, answering God. texts and pictures of himself to them. Bridget Will and, uh, you know, uh, Brent and Bianca, everyone will start uh, answering in different ways and, you know, We'll have one of the, the, the voicemail fills up in like half a second. So then we'll go and uh, one of the players will go out and just like clear the voicemail and maybe write down some people to name check. And if we want to name check them during the show, we might get them name check. Hey, all right, Dave from, you know, Tyler, Texas or whatever. Or it's, you know, still part of the interactive thing we're trying to do to make this feel a little special and different and, you know, in the modern landscape. So, you know, uh, last in the for the premiere, we trended worldwide and we trended number one in the states. And last night or Friday night, we trended again in the top three. And uh, in the U.S., so it's like those things in the modern in the modern um, in the modern kind of television landscape. As Nielsen's are adapting and changing and trying to find new ways to track people and second screen and all that stuff. Those things are all. Uh, those are all like kind of things you need to hit. You can't just go, all right, we've got on our show and let's see what it is. Right. The traditional models are not necessarily, um, uh, not necessarily representing, uh, what people are doing as much anymore. And so you're trying to figure out, uh, what, uh, you know, how to get, how to reach people and get that counted so that people know that the, you know, so that the powers that be can see that your show is, is, is reaching people and, and, and they're advertiser worthy and all those kind of factors that keep a show on the air, um, uh, you know, in a competitive landscape. So been, uh, it's been incredibly educational to kind of figure that out and, and, and learn on the fly. Right. Has your writing staff or, and, or the writing process changed or do you still just write a script, rehearse the F out of it and see what comes, you know, i.e. timing wise and what works and what doesn't. And uh, or, or, or yeah, has it changed? it's changed a lot. Okay, it has changed a lot because you know we started pre-production because a lot on we started pre-production back in June, mm. so we did all of June together, and then we took off July, and then we came back in August for two months before the show. So in that time, we got out out of our thirteen, and hopefully we get a back nine. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the thirteen, uh, we got uh, through about nine stories, nine out nine or ten stories mm-hmm. that we got. And the scripts went out through eight or nine, I think. So everyone has done a draft of those things. But those things in that time was, we didn't quite know what happened. You know, the first one was an hour. So we knew what an hour was because we had done that in season two. Mm -hmm. But the half hours, we had no idea. We had no idea, like, you know, um, if you see a modern, you know, like a a two-book old script is a 55-page multi-camera script, like double-spaced and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, usually it's a 30 seconds a page. So you're thinking, all right, that's 22, 22 and a half minutes right there. That's what you'd kind of come in at. Ours were, when we were doing the tape version of the show, ours were, we would shoot a 36, 37 page script and we would be 12 minutes over when we were done because our guys improvise so much. Sure. And they're a lunatic and they riff and Chris Scalia is a beast and goes crazy. And the last thread on Ron Funch is just saying a setup to a joke, not even the joke, and getting a last thread that. You know, that would go on for 
35 seconds right. on setup. And then you get the 10 point. So a joke that was supposed to be maybe 10 seconds at a time goes for 45 seconds. So things like that. And, you know, the luxury of having incredibly talented, funny people who, who make B plus jokes, A plus jokes, and they take A, a jokes over the top. Um, it really, we were in another, another space. So we knew we were going to have to cut these scripts down. So those, the writer's drafts were coming in at 30 pages. We we're like, all right, let's do a 30 page multicam script. So if you do the math, it's 15 minutes, you know, of, of linear time that you're mm-hmm. looking at. Those are too long. We have to shoot 25 page scripts and right. we still might be at 30 seconds over because we have to do live credits as we were talking about. You still have, you have to have the band mm-hmm. do a song and you have to have them do, close the show. So that takes part of your time. Uh, and then you have to tell a story. So usually in those things, we would do an A and a B story, a big A story, and then a B story that was, you know, was able to serve as some of the, uh, uh, some of the, uh, la- the other characters, other mm-hmm. than the big three, which was Chris, uh, J- the Justin, Danny, and Candace characters. And then uh, you had to kind of figure out we have four other uh, great actors and funny characters that we want to make sure we get. So it became like a round robin of who gets there at that. So we would, you know, as we designed the season, you're on a board, you're kind of going, all right, this one, Leslie gets a bigger story. So she might be light in this one, but she gets a big story next week. And uh, David's character might be a little light this week, but he gets, he's getting a big joke there and that stuff like that. So you try to spot everybody, but it changed. So, um, so we did a table read of our first half hour a couple weeks ago and it went fantastic. It was awesome, but it was, three and a half minutes long. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, that's three and a half minutes out of a 30 page strip. Like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Right. So we basically just dropped the B stories. So there's no B stories, just an A story. Oh. And then what we got to do is find places where everybody can kind of do those things. So, uh, it, what it became was the, in, in this week's one, you see the A story, which is, uh, and this one, Bridget Menler's character kind of gets in the way of, uh, Crystal Lee's character. He's trying to be, you know, hook up with girls. She kind of cock blocks him. And uh, Justin is put between his best friend and his girlfriend when it comes to, you know, they put him in the middle and it's, you know, that's the story. It's real simple, kind of a classic, you know, triangle story. Um, the B story used to be uh, something that we'll end up reappropriating somewhere else, but it, it, it had the whole gang in there. Well, that didn't fit. It was funny. And then we truncated it down to make it fit. And it didn't feel satisfying because it was designed to be like a three beat thing. And then all of a sudden when we made it truncated, it felt like, you're like, oh, oh, and it was over. And you're like, oh, that's not satisfying at all. So and to, so instead, what we'll do is make that an A story in a, in a later episode. And we'll take the, uh, then we, in this one, we kind of took the third, the fourth wall thing with uh, the link to the camera, um, where in this case, Ron Flint just looks at a TV in the bar and it's a security feed and he sees himself on TV and he makes a dramatic jokes about being on TV. Right. And like the first joke he says, well, let's watch NBC. And he sees himself and he's like, Oh, hey, I'm on NBC. He's like, that's not NBC. That's a security feed. He's like, I thought NBC really bottomed out. And we, you know, we're like, there are chocolate scrums within it. And we did like a meta joke. That became a runner. So the story's really on Harry and a story and a runner. Uh, that could kind of touch in everybody, all the other characters who weren't in the A story, uh, get them jokes and get them serviced in a, in, in a, in a way and get them on the board. Um, so that, that happened last early this last week before we were shooting Friday, we had to realize, all right, this is what we have. Let's figure this out. So the writing changed. So we have, we have like six or seven scripts in that were built for an older model that was a lot fatter. So mm. a lot of the times now is kind of going back to the outline. You know, you have scenes that work, you know, you have jokes that work, but kind of reappropriating and stripping them down even more. So um, 
we've done that now for uh, now that we think we've figured it out with a successful version of the one that aired Friday. We kind of know what we need to do for the one that's this next Friday, and then the one that's the following Friday is the one that that I wrote, and that's going to get stripped down even more. And we're working on that this week. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's changed pretty dramatically just because of the pure real estate of what you got to do. It's just in modern television, twenty one minutes and whatever thirty four seconds of story, and then you got last spread, and then two minutes of of credits and live elements that you're going to do. It's, right. You're left with seven characters trying to fill out. 18, 19 pages of story. Right. It becomes incredibly hard to kind of like uh, make it all balance out. Now, if you find yourself, I don't know if you have at this point, you're two episodes into this plus the one last season. Um, But if you're, let's say halfway through the episode and you're running long, where do you get the time from? Do you just sort of rewrite scenes on the fly or do you like take it out from, from the the band the band's time or do you yeah, just tell them to talk faster and not improv improv anymore <laughs> how does that work well what's crazy is it's it's that's like another piece of the live tv stuff you do and that's part of the writing it back to your question before about how it changes is that mm-hmm. uh we call them accordion scenes they're scenes where we've written them for we've written them here let's say that they're three and a half pages or four pages we know what the scene blow is. You could see if it ran full, the scene blows in the third three and a half pages. You've got, you know, joke and then you go to, you know, scene builder. We find what you absolutely have to do in the story for the story to make sense. Usually it happens about a page earlier, mm-hmm. you know, and then we just kind of go on to, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, that the last page or three quarters of a page is kind of a setup of, of people weighing in on the big decision. So if someone sat there and said, you know, uh, I'm leaving this place, whatever, then then you kind of have a page of people commenting on what that big decision was. Right. What happens is if we have a timer that shows, it's called the pad, you know, the, the show pad, where they it is running live while we go, and you have a stage manager that's doing stuff. So we can look at that, and we'll see if we're over or under. If we're over at the first act break, where it first goes to commercials, Bill, Adam, and I, and, and the writers will kind of power up. We've already known that we what kind of accordion scenes where what we would do is since we go to that scene that I was telling you about was three and a half pages mm-hmm. and we cut we'd go out after that thing we absolutely had to go which was that the page there that goes in and then they have this kind of like the script coordinator they've been timing it all week um, and doing the last spread then automatically that timer gets adjusted and let's say you're a minute over like now you're 20 seconds over and then you know that you have a fast scene coming up in the middle act and the scene goes quick, and then all of a sudden you see it catch up, and now you're under by a minute. And you're like, oh, great, awesome. The band gets to play longer. Right. So uh, you could cut from the band. You could go out. You know, you have the band playing. You go out on the band playing, and then if you go to NBC.com, see the rest of the song they played and all the other added value of whatever. Um, or if we if we were to cut prematurely because we, we got scared, and then we picked up a bunch of time later, the band could play as long. They could play the whole song and start another song if you wanted to. And that's the case, but we haven't been lucky enough to have that situation yet. <laughs> but ultimately, in the, in the architecture of the show, we kind of plan scenes where you go. We have uh, um, Bill will have with the script coordinator, and Adam will have the cut pages, which is they'll have a um, they'll have the uh, pages of the um, they'll have a, a copy of the script with uh, kind of like trap doors where they know we can get out earlier on that. And so we make those adjustments on the fly based on that pad, that timing pad that's on the. Um, that, that, that we are constantly in touch with as we do the show. Mm-hmm. So we'll sit there and go, oh, okay, cool. We're, we're, we're in a great spot. Let them play that whole scene out. 
or if Chris ends up getting a laugh and improvising and goes crazy and we ended up adding 30 seconds, we're like, okay, cool. That was really funny. We've got to get out earlier here. Let's plan on it and see where we're at at the second commercial break. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like a two-minute drill the last the half hour is. You're kind of like making adjustments. You're like, oh, how many timeouts do we have? How many? You know, right. We, get a ball to, we spike the ball here. Right. right. You know, uh, what if we get a penalty here? We can go, you know, we get a first down automatically. Right. Kicker ready. They're going to freeze our kicker. We, so you kind of have these things in, 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 in big preparation. Bill being such a pro and being, you know, uh, having literally thousands of episodes of television under his belt knows exactly kind of what he's pre-editing in his head, mm-hmm. what it'll look like, and uh, it'll go. So, but that's been that's 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 definitely been a thing that's that's messed um, with our writing process too. Is because you sit there and you go, all right, this is a cool scene and this is a really funny bit that goes on. But you know, this last week Bianca had a really really funny run and a big joke that we just didn't have time for, so we had to cut out earlier. And I talked to her afterwards, and she's like, oh, is this? I mean, she was cool about it. She's like, oh, it's so bummed. I really want to do that joke, but it's just like, it's so crazy with these half hours. You're like, oh, my God, we're over. we got to cut that. It's You forget how much gets left on the floor. So right. the idea is to use all the buffalo and then maybe find those beats and put them back into another script if we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, later on, if there's a joke that's a kind of evergreen that we know, oh, that'll be a funny scene, blow. we can use that later and, and uh, you know, and and repurpose it for another story if a moment if we're if a moment doesn't land and we want to replace it we do have a lot of pieces that we've cut or we know never made air that we can maybe repurpose for for those purposes so mm-hmm. uh it's uh it's that's been that's been a weird adjustment to make for sure yeah uh, any chance of a halloween episode yeah that's the one i wrote so oh, cool we got a halloween one coming on the 30th and um that i mean that one is that is evolved and that had three stories going in it and it was a crazy thing so uh yeah that one is that one is a um uh that one's coming across that would that'll be a fun one i think that we figured out what uh we figured out the way to strip it down and keep all the good things in it and um uh it has a nice ending and i think it'll be really great but you know like put ron Funches in a costume <laughs> yeah uh, you're gonna get that that's your b story you right know, we're about like oh what do we do with this you have a story which is a um you know, Justin, Candace, Danny story, and then right. you have the B story. It's well, it's Halloween. It's just we have a couple cameos that we're planning right now, and a big musical guest that we'll announce. And uh, so that'll take a lot of time. So in that case, we'll just be like, all right, it's going to be, hey, my costume is better than yours. It'll be that right, way. right. And you can't have any stakes or any heft to the story. You can't have like, wow, Halloween means this to me. And I mean, there's one point we had the Brett, uh, Brett, the Brett character. There's the recently come out gay guy that this was, we were talking about, this is his first Halloween and the gay Halloween of the gay community is too big. It's such a big thing. And for, so his first one has to be a big deal. So we try to put stakes on the idea of I have to find the perfect costume for, you know, to have my first big gay Halloween. <laughs> and we're like, no room for that one. Yeah. Funny idea. No room for that. So it'll just be, that might be a joke in it. Right. But that won't be uh, what the story is. So all these things kind of got, got re, uh, readjusted based on, uh, just the realities of doing live, uh, a live half hour and right. what time you have left. So, but definitely that Halloween one. And, uh, um, it should be, you know, I want to jinx the, uh, the guests. We have a couple of really great guests to make sure that it all, you know, then schedules change. And we've had some people that we had lined up that had to move it to a later time or something like that. So, right. um, that was, uh, that was, that's definitely, uh, uh, that'll be a fun one. In, in Detroit, I mean, I don't know if you know, in Detroit, like the 30th, which is the, um, you know, the day before Halloween, 
is called Devil's Night usually, and it's just people go out and it's like the purge, and they just vandalize and go crazy. <laughs> so Devil's Night, the famous thing in Detroit. So we were trying to do a Devil's Night story, but we're like, well, it's a little inside. People in Michigan will know what it is, but not everybody. And they'll take a couple pages or a page to kind of explain what it is. And right. So we had a whole Devil's Night thing, so maybe it'll be like uh, <laughs> when we watch people to send Instagrams of their Devil's Night activities, and it'll somehow post on the uh, social media for the show. <laughs> How funny. But uh yeah, that was that was a talks of that one at one point because it would have been like during the same time people were out being you know felonious vandals and shit. But uh, uh, but that had to change. So uh, it's all it's it's gone through a million different iterations, but it should be a fun one. And, and speaking of social media, I know that uh, I was reading through your Twitter feed and you were able to get uh, Miss Jenna Jameson to retweet. Oh uh, yeah, Indiana, which is pretty awesome. Them. Yeah, because I know you do that a lot, and it's it's funny to see who does. Yeah, we started that in the first in the first season when you know we we had shot the show and then we waited and it was going to air and mm-hmm. um, I was bored one day I was, it was the day it was going to shoot and I hadn't really done Twitter a whole lot and I was on there and I didn't really care about it it's like oh it's cool it just seems so much work and and it's coming right. so fast and I'm like oh it's just I don't have that uh, it might be my age or whatever but I start to kind of look at it and I'm like I just can't sit there and stare at a screen and micro watch what people do all the time right. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start kind of mostly for our writers because I missed them. Because we, you know, you, you go into a writer's room and and uh, you're in this very intense kind of like fa- familial environment where you're sharing embarrassing stories and you get really close. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, that's a wrap and you're away and you miss them. And, you know, you talk to them, you text them, whatever. But it was like kind of you miss making them laugh. It's like missing, you know, making a funny person laugh is a, is a, is a, um, uh, you know, like Jackie Clark or John Quinn, because of the writers who were in the first season. To make them laugh was like, it's such like a, it's such an over, it's such a joy. Right. So in a way, it was kind of like, oh, I miss them, and I miss Adam, and I miss everybody. I'm going to, how can I make them laugh? I don't give a shit about Twitter, but so what I started doing was tweeting at people, almost spam tweeting at really random people <laughs> and say, trying to get a retweet or, hey, watch the show. Right. And people started responding and it became this thing in the first season whenever the, the thing was that I start, I got like Bob Seeger and, you know, I think uh, um, Barkhad Abdi. <laughs> I got Barkhad Abdi to retweet and send <laughs> thing out from, uh, you know, from Captain Phillips and uh, Marky Ramone and, and, uh, Justin Verlander and all these like kind of random all across the board. Right. And it just became this weird thing. I would go after people and it was not so much that I wanted that thing. It was just the idea that, that I went after them and I would, like I said, sort of the CIA. I said, right. I saw that one. John McCain and, and all across the boards, if I came up with something, I would just go after them. And it kind of everyone started doing it after that, and it became a thing where we started getting traction. So we started doing it. I hadn't been doing it, obviously, because uh, we, were, we were on tape, so it was just busy and putting a lot of shit together. So this week, we were at Thursday, we were waiting for Bill, or Thursday morning, we were like, hey, let's all start like trying to get it out there. It was Wednesday, I think. So I go to write to Jenna Jameson, and she gets me right back and says, oh, I'd love to try to do the show and whatever, and now like, we might try to get her to do a cameo on the show That's or something funny. like that. But she retweeted and favored it, and is now that, and then I got, this week I got... Um, this week, I, people got some stuff, uh, but the big ones, I mean, you know, no one, like, even when we got George Clooney to retweet or something, or, but we went after them, certainly, but uh, <laughs> uh, I got Mark Gaddis, who's, like, plays Bycroft Holmes on Sherlock, mm-hmm. who writes through with, uh, and, and writes some of the Sherlock stuff with um, with uh, Stephen Moffat, who I'm a huge fan of, 
uh, he retweeted for us. I was a random just like, I'm going to go after Mark Gaddis, like it's a one percenter. And he retweeted, which was fantastic. I got a couple other ones. And then the one that was the most thrilling was, uh, there's, this book's called, there's a book, uh, it's author Don Winslow. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's, he's unreal. He, he wrote two, he's, well, he's written a bunch of books, but the two books that I've been obsessed with are The Power of the Dog and The Cartel. And the Cartel, they're making, Ridley Scott's making a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio now, and it's about Mexican drug war. Hmm. And it's a, Power of the Dog's the first one, and the, second, and the Cartel's the second one. And I had, uh, in the writer's room, we were, uh, we were, we'd talk about, because a bunch of the writers had read it over the break or had, were reading it, and we'd all talk about how awesome the books are. So I reach out to Don Winslow, I tweet at him on Wednesday morning. I'm like, Don, the writer's room loves you. We talk about your books almost every day. Blah, blah. He direct messages me back and says, what's your address? I'll send signed copies of the cartel. Oh, cool. So we got signed copies of the cartel coming from the legendary Don Winslow uh, to us. So we're, it was just like, oh, my God, we got swag. So, so we have a wall of people getting, we got re- retweets and stuff, and I think I'm winning right now. So I got not only did I get some Jenna Jameson, uh, John Jameson, I got, uh, and some other, other people, I got, uh, I got his books yeah. and, uh, as well. So yeah, but that's been a fun, stupid thing we've been doing. You are the originator, and, uh, however, so. I, I guess, I guess. I was the guy <laughs> that did it for us, the first one and it started going, uh, I had a whole file of who got there, but I can't remember. I can't even remember. I just remember some of them. I know some of them were big and some, some more people were like, oh fuck, that's great. And then other times we were just like, it was just for the writers and other people that were, you know. This is so stupid. If we mm-hmm. get a retweet from this guy, who gives a shit? Right. It's just stupid. Right, but so well, that's the humor in it, idea. oftentimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was kind of, you know, poking fun at the idea of, of, of spamming and begging for these guys. Yeah, like the CIA. Of like, yeah, the CIA was great. But I, I Didn't you do the Pope or something, too? I did the Pope. I did yeah. the Pope a few times. I'd have to be the Pope. That's in there, but I'm sure I'm on some NFA <laughs> watch list for that. And then I went after, what I got? Oh, during, it was during the World Cup. Last summer, uh, when the World Cup was four, yeah, that was 2014. Um, and a game was on while I was working, and I looked back at my TV, and I'm like, you're going, where the fuck is that again? And I, I know it's in Santa Club Mark, I don't know where. So I just, I tweeted at the the American emba- the, the embassy in Uruguay. Mm-hmm. I tweeted at them. I just started typing at Uruguay, and it came up as a verified thing. I'm like, oh, I'm tweeting those guys. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> and it ended up being like the Uruguay ambassador, embassy. And I said, hey, I have no idea where you guys are on a map, but uh, I know that you guys would love funding. Uh, here's, you know, watch Undateable Tonight or whatever. And I said this thing. The embassy sent back a, like a t- retweet with a, with a map that has it with uh, like a map with an arrow pointing to Uruguay. And it's kind of like, we will definitely watch it. And it was just the most ridiculous thing ever. That, you know, the Uruguay embassy had, had retweeted and given us back. It was like some guy sitting there sleeping yeah. in his cubicle. And he just went, what? We just got pinged. <laughs> what the hell? What? And he, he took the time to go back. So we are big fans of Uruguay. It was, uh, um, so it was, uh, so yeah, it's just a stupid thing we've done. And it, it's more for the writers to just, you know, Hey, dude, look how stupid I am. Look how stupid I am. And then sometimes something comes out of it and it's, uh, it, it thrills us all. So it's just so stupid. That's awesome. We enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> Um, I, I still have a hard time believing that the Uruguayan embassy has a Twitter, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Uh, uh, they're they're nice guys, so yeah. they, they, they were very awesome. nice to us. So uh, I'm saying I will defend them at the end. Uh, so make sure anybody out there wants to, to tweet at them, give me support because uh, they were they were nice to us. <laughs> awesome. No, that's cool. 
who picks the musical guests yeah. that you guys have? Oh, uh, well, we have, um, you know, since Bill was on, uh, you know, since Scrubs and, and, and stuff, he, he's, he worked with the same people over and over again. So his musical, um, he has a, a, a music supervisor hmm. who he's worked with since then, who has, you know, relationships with the labels and stuff like that. And, you know, on our live show last year, we had Ed Sheeran, and that's obviously, yeah. you know, that's pretty big and as big as you can kind of get. And that was a personal favorite because Ed is a friend of, uh, of Bill's, and, and he came in and did it and just took it over the top, and it was fantastic. So him being kind of our first our first guy, that opened the door to other people. And you can kind of reach out to other artists and, and say, hey, look, Ed Sheeran did it and had a good time, and they can kind of go back. So, uh, But, yeah, we have a music supervisor who, who gives us, you know, we're not an expensive show, so we can't sit there and we don't have a lot of money to go and fly someone in from, you know, the Soviet <laughs> Union or like, right. hey, Miley Cyrus will come in from China. And you're like, well, that's crazy. And plus, just for the logistics of it, the musical guest has to kind of be able to do a smaller kind of acoustic-y yeah. smaller version. You can't sit there and do like, oh, hey, we need to put all 28 members of Arcade Fire on an 8 by 6 stage and right, <laughs> play right. like four guitars and six drums kits and whatever. Right. You know, we need something that someone could scale down and kind of play more troubadour style. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's... And, and, and instead of trying to go for these big monster acts where you go, oh, you know, it's the weekend or it's, it, we'd love to have someone like that or a top 40 person. Uh, Bill's thing was like, hey, let's try to find bands like how when Conan O'Brien started out, like he wasn't getting huge musical guests, but, you know, Conan and Letterman always had like, you know, they would have the replacements on or they would have a right. band that was like, oh, or who's Kurdu is it on? Or, you know, a band that you're like, oh, awesome. That's a cool band. So we've been trying to do more things like that still within the pop space. It's not like we're going and doing some obscure like Wilco, you know, insider right. thing like that. We're going for kind of still mainstream bands, but they're maybe maybe have a cooler, uh, a, a cool vibe to them that we all respond to and kind of go after. But that said, we have um, we Ed Sheeran is uh, is probably going to come back this year, and as is uh, some other big big folks of his ilk that we have on the books for later on, whether that sticks or not, I don't want to spoil that. But some really fun big people that are going to come in uh, that are scheduled to do the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, but that's how, it's, how they're picked. We just kind of, um, uh, I think Tony, our, our guy, uh, our music supervisor kind of finds who's in town, who's in LA, who can do that Friday and are they capable with their production or their style? Do they fit into the box that we have, right. which is this smaller thing? So this last week we had Codaline was an Irish band. that's kind of like a, have kind of a, uh, emo Coldplay vibe to them. And they were able to scale down just have a keyboard, a bass guitar, like a, a, a acoustic guitar. And then the drummer was doing like one of the, a drum box, like he was sitting on and being able to kind of play. Mm-hmm. So they kind of did a scale down version. And it sounded great. Um, yeah, they were great. you know, you can't have Metallica on there and playing acoustic <laughs> or something. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's all, so that's, that's been, the, that's been, the, the way that's been working out so far. But, uh, Again, that's been an evolution. We wanted to do big, big, big bands, and then we realized, oh, we don't have the room, and big bands aren't going to sit there. Big, big bands are probably not going to sit there unless they're friends of ours um, and be willing to only play a little bit of their song and hope that people go and visit it on, online. And they, right. you know, so uh, it's someone that might you know, want to get their single out, like the show, and have all that stuff kind of working in play. So, um, yeah, but uh, so far, so good. Well, I think also big bands... Uh, to me, I know they bring ratings because they have an established fan base, but yeah, it, it's it, 
you can hear those bands anywhere and everywhere. I think it's kind of cool to yeah. watch a show and go, hey, that's that band is kind of cool. I not have heard of them any other place. And this is your first exposure right, to them. Right. So it's kind of you're finding something new. To me, that's more interesting. And I, I think that it fits right. sort of with, oh, the, you know, neat. you know, these guys, you know, in the bar, you know, in, in Black Eyes. It's like that's you could see them playing at a bar like that. You know what I mean? I'm sure maybe right. years ago they did. Yeah. But, you know, it just seems it has, really it has a good feel to it. Really yeah, that's what I mean. That's that's cool. These guys love it that way, but that's absolutely one hundred percent true. I think that's uh, uh, that is that that is uh, uh, that that is for sure. That's that's the kind of vibe we're kind of going for. It's like you know, with having Ed Sheeran, we dummied into that. It's like he, if I, you know, I took my daughter to see Taylor Swift when she was here a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran opened up for her, and I was able to kind of pull some connections in my daughter's first concert. So we were in the pit there. I was the only like everyone there is like hipster cool. And then there's this weird odd looking bald guy with a beard <laughs> standing in there. that probably looks like he's the guy that's going to try to kill her or take her away in a box. Um, but I'm with my daughter. And uh, so I was really close. And the first time I'd really, you know, I'd heard of Sharon and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I'm an old punker. So it's like, I don't sit there and go, Oh, top 40, whatever. And I watched this guy go to Staples Center and have a backdrop that's just a picture of him and have a stop box and a acoustic guitar and go out there and destroy in, you know, in front of 20,000 people. Right. And I'm like, holy shit. So he's kind of the perfect guy for our show where the sense of this is a guy that doesn't have a bunch of production and crazy stuff. He kind of comes in, it's pure talent. You're watching a guy come in and he does track, he does his own little tracks. He starts making his own loop stations and tracks and his own percussion. And then he plays over it and does his thing. So when he came in and did it, it was like the perfect type of act that we could play in there. It wasn't like you had, uh, um, you know, like something that was, uh, some band that was like, that could, that had to have 20,000 channels of blah, blah, blah. And you know, this and coming through your board, it's like, Ed was a busker forever. He could play that stuff and go out on the street and play and sound just as good. Mm-hmm. He, that's the thing that kind of fits the logic and the, the universe of our show. So that was like a perfect thing. And I, I think we dummied into that. And now it's like, Oh, okay, cool. That's what we need is things that kind of fit that, fit that vibe uh, to be able to come in bands and artists come in and be able to play that way. So um, some good ones on their way up, some fun ones, some ironic ones, a couple ideas that are in play that we could have. That'll be some reunions that will be hopefully, noteworthy and stuff like that but uh yet i can't i get in trouble if i say (laughs) they are but the talks are fun yeah so we'll see no i was gonna ask you how i can audition my band to get on the show ah i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i don't have a band at all i'm just totally joking (laughs) that'd be frightening um i can't sing or play a musical instrument it would be terrible i just dude it sounds like you'd be perfect (laughs) Sounds like you'd be perfect, man. Yeah. I don't think they'll just put some auto tune on you and you know, put you with you know, put you with a music uh you know, I don't know, put well you have to always have a feature in we'll put a little Wayne in your thing. Yeah, no, that's Kendrick true. Then, then it might, you there you go. Really the hook. Then it might Not actually well. work. I, I could do it easily yeah. half as well as uh what's his name? Uh uh from uh, Lonely Island, uh Oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Lonely Island guys. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's oh, all yeah, about the yeah, comedy. Anyway, yeah. yeah, exactly, right. Although yeah, I'm not, another. I'm not particularly funny, so you'd have to do all the the writing there. Uh, well, we 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 put you in the best position to. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a band, what would your band be called? Oh my god, I don't know. I uh, oh god, I, I think. Uh, mm, let's see. Uh, Celtic Sorry. diarrhea. <laughs> what was that again? 
Celtic diarrhea. Wow. Uh, we did that way. It, you know, uh, let's see. It's kind of a punk band. Maybe has some uh, uh, gastrointestinal like, uh, problems. Maybe has a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a mandolin in the band, even though we play really bad music. There's a mandolin in the band. Kind yeah. Of, Get, a, uh, get on the world beat stations nice. but at the same time it's really bad diarrhea music so, <laughs> um yeah that's uh that'll be my side that'll be my side project and, and what are you going <laughs> to wear for halloween anything oh my god well my wife is doing the uh, the new york marathon which is on the first mm-hmm. so the 30th when we did my episode um i'm literally getting on a red eye right i'm going from the show i'll wrap for the west coast and Go right over to uh, Surveyk Airport, fly to New York. So I'm not going to be going to be in New York for Halloween. I don't think we're dressing up because we're just going to kind of be there. Hmm. Uh, my kids are going out with some other friends, and they have their costumes. So I'm not planning on dressing on anything this year. Even on the um, show, shouldn't you of... dress up for something on the show? Oh, maybe we'll do that. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we we got probably throw the writers or some of the back. Uh, you know that that the. Uh, production team and stuff like that. They'll probably put them on masks and send them out or some shit like that. But it's, <laughs> so, it's so crazy also. Like, you can't, like, with Halloween, it's like you have to get everything cleared. Yeah. Like, the clearances. You always forget about that. So they're like, oh, right. you have someone in a, you know, that guy's wearing a Darth Vader mask and whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you have to go to Disney and, and, and Lucasfilm and get the rights to right. wearing a Darth Vader mask. What's the context? And can we see a page? And, and you're like, well, that joke got, there's no fun in that now. Right. <laughs> you're like, I have to work for it. I can't just do a joke. Like, uh, oh man, that guy could be, you know, one of that person I'll dress as Shrek. And you're like, okay, cool. Now you got to go to this. And then you're just like, oh man, it takes all the fun out of it. You can't, you know, people are so, uh, so afraid of being sued. And, and, and so many of these, these, these big, uh, things are, are now big corporations. It's so hard to, uh, it's hard to do anything, but I'm sure we'll do something crazy for that as we, uh, get that, get that on the rails this, this next week before we table read it and stuff. We'll figure out what we're going to do. But, uh, you can dress up as um, Bursky with the orange sweater around your waist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a version where they were all dressing up as each other. It's a classic sitcom story. Of, nice. Yeah, you know, it's a great conflict engine because you're like, oh, this is what you think of me. You know, when you dress up as someone, you're doing an impression of them. And if it's a hyperbolic impression that's offensive in some way, someone can get pretty, you know, it's an easy way to get upset. But we just don't have the room for that. But, um, but yeah, it would be funny to see people dressing up that would be a trip for us to see people picking up as the characters we create or you that we work on because we always feel like no one's even seen our show yet. So, <laughs> uh, so it's like, Oh, people know what the show is. Oh, cool. That's cool. That's funny. Yeah. So, but, um, what are you going to go at? Um, you know, I don't have anything planned. My son is going to be, he's two, he's going to be Winnie the Pooh. So, you know, uh-huh, nice. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Are you going to be, are you going to, you know, owl or rabbit or anything? Yeah, or maybe I'll be a jar of honey. I, you know, I have no idea at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you have any... Yeah, I know. Usually that's the thing. You, I, like my son is mm-hmm. nine and he's all about like, you know, any video game, you yeah. know, Star Wars, anything that's like that. So now Halo 5 is coming out. And he's obsessed with Halo, mm-hmm. even though he's like played, like maybe seen me play it once. So I had to buy a Master Chief costume. So he's going as Master Chief, and he nice. wanted me to go if I was going to be there to go as one of the other Coven or like one of the aliens. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't feel like going around with a giant armor thing. Like, it's going to be hot and uncomfortable. Oh, God. And then walking around 
you know, walking around the, the, the mean streets of Woodland Hills with right. a, a giant costume that scares everybody. Right. Uh, that's me carrying everyone's bag of candy because they got tired of carrying it. Right. And screwed over. So I start kind of fast forwarding to the actual, uh, I project into what it would be like when I actually have to do it. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too, uh, thankfully a little bit, you know, we'll be in New York, but he, he's got his costume. He'll be cool looking master chief. That's for sure. Nice. That's cool. But, that uh, sounds like a really cool yeah. costume. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. And then, and then plus, you, you let him do that so that once he finishes that evening and goes, man, it was hot and uncomfortable, and next year he won't ask for those <laughs> costumes because he's miserable. Yeah, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah dude, you didn't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, Come on, Timmy, for shit like this. Yeah. that. His mask is all <laughs> fogging up. He can't hear anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I can't hear anything. It's just hot. It's just yeah. It's it weighs big. thirty pounds. Oh god! It smells like oh, paint. Dude. <laughs> Walking uphill. And yeah. Like, we usually like our our area where we live is uh is um uh it's trick or treat. There's not a lot of sidewalks. It's kind of uh, south of Ventura Boulevard. It's like more like kind of canyony. So it's not like it's dark and not a lot of street lights. It's not like the best trick or treat thing. So we usually go over to some friends like they have more of a kind of flatland, easier mm-hmm. kind of you know more kid friendly area. Yeah. And they're just hills, and they go there in Calabasas, and they're hills, and they'll be like, "Oh, here's a cool like cul-de-sac," but then you're like, "Here's a 200-yard straight-up 45-degree hill <laughs> to get up to the next little inlet," right? And you're like carrying five things, and it's like, eh, "I don't feel like this. Can you carry my weapons?" And you're like, "Right." Oh, <laughs> so, oh man, you're wearing half their costume by the end of the night. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, you're doing it all, right? Oh my god. Um, and but, uh, how, how late did you sleep in on Saturday after the show? Saturday wasn't, wasn't too late. I mean, it was like eight or eight or nine o'clock in the uh, morning. My, uh, we were able to, uh, get to, uh, my son gets me up pretty early. My daughter gets me up pretty early. And then I go back and kind of like doze off a little bit and he had karate. So it's like, it's as much as you get to, uh, you know, you do the show all week. There's no, your kids don't know what you do. And they're, right. there. they're like, Hey, dad's back. You do this, you do this. So you're kind of on your second job, right. your first job more like, and then you, you're off doing that and uh, they don't give a shit. They're like, what are we doing today? We're doing this or this. You're like, uh, uh." Uh, after the one hour, I think it's because there was such a buildup. That whole weekend, it felt like I had a hangover. I was like, it was all, all of us, all the writers were like, dude, did you sleep? It's like, I slept, I think six hours nap on Saturday. Everyone had like a different thing. Just mentally, it was such a, you know, three, four months of like kind of buildup to like, can we do this? And then it happens and it goes off. Okay. And it did well. (laughs) And you're kind of like, ah, and it was like, just to come down from that was not a, uh, was not a pleasant one. So, so now this weekend wasn't, wasn't as bad, but still, still pretty tired from trying to kind of get this thing ready to go. Yeah. It's like you went through training camp, two months of training camp, and now you're playing the games yeah. and you're getting all beat up. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. the half hours are, I think we figured out kind of a way to do them now. And at the end of the day, you can't just add, you just cut, you have to cut, but it, you know, so yeah. hopefully it's, it's less, uh, you know, you're not just sitting there doing, you're not just sitting there on where we did in the past. You're like, okay, cool. This whole scene needs to be new or this scene isn't working or these jokes aren't great. You got to beat them. It's like, kind of like, Hey, you don't have room for that. Let's just cut them and make these other ones better. So it just becomes, you're working on a smaller sample size to yeah. be able to kind of get ready, which, um, you know, it's hard in itself, but at the same time, you know, volume-wise, it's just not as much stuff to rewrite. So that could be good. If we kind of find the thing and know what we need to do in a scene, you, you kind of don't have room to kind of, you know, start blue-skying all this crazy shit you're going to have to do, like we did in the past. We were, 
you know, it could take hours and hours of like, ah, oh, this is funny. How do we make it funnier? Oh, maybe we do this. Maybe we do that. Like, maybe we don't have time. Right. <laughs> so it's much better. Uh, so that that's kind of that's kind of the thing I think that it saves everyone's uh, mental state of like, well, we just still have the time to do that. So probably just cut it. So that uh, makes it uh, makes it a little less uh, scary when you kind of look down the road a little bit to think of uh, what we have to do. That said, we still have a ton of shit to do. Yeah. But um, and then and then the playoffs. It's, it's unmanageable. And then yeah. The playoffs. The back nine, right? Yeah, that's that's the hope. Yeah. Man. That's the hope. So the good news is we should find out. Uh, we would find out relatively soon, probably in November, mm-hmm. um, because they they have to give us enough time to prepare them. Right. So uh, in order script, so that would probably be before the holidays when those kind of break and we have we have uh, some stuff and we are, we kind of know a little bit of a talk about what will happen in that thing as far as macro wise and some, some bigger arcs and stuff like that we can kind of do so. You know, God willing, we get to that position, we'll know what to do, or we'll have you know at least a roadmap or a little bit of it. But um, but that is definitely the that is the that's the hope is to to get that and and you know we're on Friday night now, which is not you know that's been a TGI Friday position for ABC forever. NBC's never really had that that, right. that world there, so the bar is pretty low. But at the same time, it's still you got to you got to deliver. It doesn't matter. You know you got you know you you can't rely on making arguments for soft ratings or things like that. You got to kind of build and do that. And this week we did build, which is great. Um, so we're not hoping to just kind of continue the trend Yeah. and uh, you know, keep, keep growing and get people catching on. So, so I hope anyway, but uh, you never know. You know yeah, no, we enjoy- I, I've enjoyed it and I think it's fantastic. And you know, I, I, uh, I yeah, actually love the live format, course. you know, you guys are doing. It's been fun, man. You got to come out. You got to come out yeah. and check it out. It's just for the sake of all the stuff I was telling you about. To see it in motion, yeah. you're like, oh shit! And it's over like that. It's just like, oh, oh shit! We're halfway through. Hey, man, we're on page fifteen. Hey, we're more than halfway done. We have ten more pages to do. What? Yeah, there's two scenes left. <laughs> what? Right. And you're like, okay, that's it. It goes out, and you're like, all right, there's nothing to do. There's no like, uh, it's just, it's just a very uh, bizarre kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, kind it's like, of, um, it's wrap like, your head around. Seems like one of those sprints. It's just once it's the gun's gone off, there's no turning back. There's no pausing. There's you know, someone falls down, yeah. that, you just keep going. <laughs> you know, yeah, and it's over. It's right. so quick. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty insane. How about yeah? It's exactly it's you're saying it's like the gun goes off and then you're like uh, you're out the gates and that's it. Yeah, you know, there's no no second chances. So that's good for the comics. They and the and the, and the actors they they just know what it is. So they're you know they they really step up in game time and it's uh, right. and they've been incredibly great about that. You have a small you know, chance at a second chance because you do two live. You do East and West Coast, right? We did well. This week we only did an East Coast, and then we played okay. East Coast for the West Coast. But for the one hour, we definitely did uh, two. Gotcha. We, we might, we might, and probably will do the two different ones again, um, as per uh, NBC. But you know, it's a, it's an expense thing. You know, it's, oh, you, gotcha. the hookups are, mm-hmm. you know, the hookups to have a satellite available and ready to go to mm-hmm. be able to broadcast a live thing cost a lot of money. That goes into production, so. These things are, you know, they don't teach you in a, you know, if you go to UCLA or a USC film school or any of those yeah. things in a writing program, they're not going to teach you how, like, hey, by the way, you're writing for production. You're writing for the idea that, hey, this thing costs a shitload of money right. when you do this. So, yeah, how, this is how you make a show. And I, I mean, you know, the uh, the um, Writers Guild has like the showrunner program where people like Bill and Bill Lawrence and other, you know, high end, uh, you know, blue chip showrunners and stuff have volunteered to kind of help you take people who are on the verge or on the, uh, on the edge of making the, um, 
uh, of becoming showrunners or running their own show, that those folks get to learn how to kind of have those conversations with things that get popped up on you and you go, oh, wait, I had no idea that that was something I'd ever think about. All I've ever done was just write jokes or I do this. You know, it's not like a, hey, by the way, you got to deal with this or this actor isn't happy or this person is here or this, you know, right. all of a sudden they want you to product integrate it and you have to fight back and how do you push back the right way? It's management of a show. It's, it's being a general manager of a, like a sports team. And those things are incredibly like, I don't think there's any kind of educational program or anything other than doing it or having a mentor right. uh, that's been through it and has, has, has kind of road tested a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the things that are going to come across your uh, come across uh, to you to be able to do it. I can't sit there and go to a, you know teach a class at, at UCLA's extension and their writers program and say, hey, this is how you do this. They'd be like, what? What are you talking about? You know, mm-hmm. you could teach a form of writing and say, "Hey, this is this is your act break, and this is that." Then, okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna throw a wrinkle to you, and do a change between this scene and this scene, and you have a commercial break where uh, network's giving you making you do four acts of a three act structure. Where are you gonna break the act? Where are you gonna break the second act into two acts? Right. Is that a strong enough act break? Because you, if it's not, that artificial act break, you got to pump that up because otherwise people will not come back to the second half of the show. And during that time, you have, uh, you know, you have a costume change. There's a day change in your script where uh, it goes from, you know, they go from here to here. Well, production-wise, costume department's going to want to change their clothes. You're going to have time to be able to do that. You're going to have time to be able to do that. They need mm-hmm. to change the outlook of the bar, and you did this, that, and the other. You have to start being able to write for actual production. That's why I always like to encourage people to make the stuff that they do. You write something, and now it's like right. a digital camera, a TV camera, or even shooting on iPhones or whatever. It's like... Do it because it forces you to reconsider the way of actually making it. We don't, you know, unless you're going to the Writers Guild Foundation and seeing scripts, uh, going to look at, read, you know, Chinatown and whatever, screenplays and, 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 and television, teleplays and, and one hours and stuff like that are not things that are written to be read. They're written to be produced. Mm-hmm. They're written to be made. You know, and they're great when you read a writer's guild. This one really, uh, really kind of dotted the eyes, and everything lines up, and thematically it's great, and the jokes are great, or the story really, really clicks. Then you see those things. You then always happens in pilot season. You see a pilot, you're like, wow, this is a really like fine piece of writing. And then you see the pilot, and you're like, yeah, but it didn't come across. You know how many like blacklist scripts do you see? And then you see the film version, you're like, oh man, it was so much better of a script. Or Maybe that's on the writer sometimes. Maybe that's like it wasn't written for production. Maybe it wasn't written in the way. Maybe it was like a novel that they put in screenplay format and then, you know, comes back around. So, like, writing to be produced is and producing it, having to make it and going, all right, cool. I need, I have a time, but I have a budget restriction. Can I make this day a night thing so these two go together? Does the story still work? Those are kind of like writing exercises. You don't get naturally just by being in front of your laptop writing, a, you know, writing a script. Right. There are things that you get as, a, as you make things, and that's the unique thing. You know, again, it's the unique thing that we do here is that this form as a television or film writer is to, uh, is, is to write things to get shot, not necessarily to be read. They're to be read by production departments and actors, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're, it's, it's a visual thing. So we get precious about what's written and whatever, and that's great. You should be. But at the same time, you have to understand the medium you're doing it for. If you make something that's so precious and so, so you know, uh, intractable in its way, uh, in its own way, 
it's not something that's going to translate to actually what the end game is, which is to put it on the air or put it on a, on a screen somewhere. So uh, it's definitely like uh, something that I think everyone needs to experience. It helps it helps unlock another level. I know after I did my first pilot, I was like, oh, shit, this is what it is. You know, it's almost like you've been introduced to the Matrix. So like, oh, right. okay. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Right, right. And then you start learning a new paradigm. You kind of start going, all right, that'll work here, that'll work there. That's that's a cool thing to do for a writer's draft. That's not going to work in when we have to shoot this thing. So right. it's just a, it's just another another constantly evolving uh, uh, another lesson in a constantly evolving education as you do this crap for a living. Right. No, that's yeah. That's why I always appreciate your perspective um, and experience on this. Um... Oh man, thanks. Man. It's cool. It's uh, it's it's been hard learned and hard earned. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I've dummied into a lot of cool things, and there's a lot of things I've done. I'm like, oh, God, what am I? Oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, um, there's no there's no safety net opposed in this case to be able to go, oh, fuck, we really, that's going to work. Well, we can cut it up and make it, you know, possible right. for a thing. If it doesn't work, it's gonna we're going to kind of get an earful right away from, right. you know, in real time. So got to make sure that that, uh, you know, that we kind of almost, do the editing process before it even goes to screen, which is just a completely new thing for me. Right. So yeah, and all of us really. So, right. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to catch up again after the uh, Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, Halloween yeah. episode for sure. So. And you got to come out. You got to definitely come out and uh, hang out. We have a social lounge where on the stage they built this like uh, bar club VIP area that has all these bloggers and. Uh, social media stars, whether it's Instagram, oh, Vine cool. stars, you know, uh, right. Periscope people, they all get in there and they hang out. And uh, uh, if you wanted to do a scripts and scribes from that, from the social end, I'd love, uh, I'm sure we'd love to have you do that. And it'd be sure. super easy to do and yeah. interview folks if they kind of come through. And it's a fun thing. So we're trying to, you know, reach people and not just make it a sitcom that happens to, that says live on the screen in the corner. That right. It's a sitcom that actually feels like it's something. So, all those things are um, things that we're trying to do. So um, it'd be cool for you to see that because I think that might be a version of what where television's going. And we're trying to figure out ways to capture, not that we're like at the front end of these things, but we're doing, we're trying to do stuff that is a little bit, you're just not seeing as much just because we're kind of forced to do it. Right. And uh, who knows, maybe it'll, maybe it'll, you know, I think that that's going to be more and more part of specifically television and definitely film and everything because you, you're in, in the, as eyeballs are moving around and going to different places, uh, the networks and the powers that be that pay us writers are going to be constantly trying to find, looking to us to find ways to, uh, they're going to be looking to us to find ways to kind of to tell them how we're going to reach the people that are, are kind of fleeing from the land, you know, fleeing from the traditional landscape. So right. it's a trip to see an action and kind of, uh, kind of experience. Yeah, no, and you guys embrace the uh, the the whole social media thing too uh, that I have, like I've never seen before, um, and not just like yeah. the network doing it, but you guys doing it, the cast and crew, yeah, and writers and producers. That was really Bill. That's like, fantastic for sure. Yeah, that was really Bill because he was like, "Look, if we don't do it, these departments—not that they're not great people—they just don't know. They don't. They're not there in the writers' room to know the show, right? And they don't think like we do. If we could kind of." Um, if we could take this spearhead, it's a lot of extra work, but if we can do this, we might do something special that gets us that back nine because 
Yeah. You know, on a Friday night when people are going, oh, you know, we're watching The Amazing Race, we're used to watching this, or we're used to watching ABC for our sitcoms on Friday nights. Um, but let's say that we don't, that those guys have had their, you know, they've had their real estate, they've had their, their feet planted in that, in that, in that real estate for a long enough time. But hey, maybe this new evolving real estate where we trend and they don't, or it mm-hmm. becomes like, look, eyeballs are, ne- are on the show, but there's also eyeballs over here. And this is a, this is a monetizable, right. um, that's even a word. That's a monetizable, uh, uh, model here. It shows you that maybe you're kind of ahead of the curve or in that space. So it's a, it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's been like a thing we've been trying to do. And, and, and fortunately a lot of the writers are, are they're very savvy to that. One of our writers, uh, Seth Cohen, who's just hilarious. Um, He's a, he kind of got on the Periscope right as it came out, oh. and he does a, he does a really goofy game show called Post It No, which is just twenty five Post It notes on a wall. All of them say no underneath, and one of them says yes. And he on Periscope asks people to do it, and he just interacts with them, and it's it's just the stupidest, simplest game show ever. <laughs> and he became like he started becoming like a, a Periscope star, so he knows the ins and outs of that. He's done all this stuff, so so we really lean into Periscope, you know, every day at four thirty. Uh, West Coast time, we do a Periscope somewhere from the show, whether it's one of the actors doing something, whether it's one of the, you know, the, we answer the, the phone, um, we answer the phone and take calls, or we do 15 minutes show rehearsal, or we mm-hmm. go into the writer's room and we try to be interactive with the fans to keep them engaged and, and feel like this is something that they, uh, you know, and then there's Periscope a half hour before we shoot the show. Right. And we do an after show as well, kind of like the talking dead. We try to anyway, if we can wrangle everybody, we try to do a periscope type thing where we talk about the show and what happened and maybe get the band the weekend there. So all that stuff. So we've been trying to do that and we're seeing if it, if it plays and if it tracks. So, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a swing with it and we'll see, we'll see if this translates to, um, you know, success. And everything. But it's been fun doing it. Yeah. I mean, sure. it seems like it's fun on, on, on the outside too, from looking at, looking at it. So. Oh, good. That's good. That's cool yeah. to hear. Cause, yeah, you're kind of in a bottle and you don't know. Right. Like, I think people like it, you know, <laughs> or everyone's telling me I to fuck off on a Periscope, but nobody's doing that because he's enjoying it. Right. He's <laughs> telling me to fuck off every day at four thirty. So, but I, I, <laughs> what, what is a? There's no bad publicity, so I mean, hey, exactly. he's telling you to fuck, exactly. but at least he's watching. <laughs> hey, he's watching. Yeah, man. he hates me that much that he wants to uh, continue he's willing to do that. That's yeah. uh, then I'll take it, you know. Yeah. So, that's um, great. <laughs> <really funny. laughs> Um, oh, and speaking of social media, uh, be sure to follow Craig on Twitter at the Craig Doyle, uh, and you can follow us at uh, at Script Scribes, and we're also on Facebook and Google Plus and our website scriptscribes.com, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and be sure to watch Undateable live NBC Friday. So always great to have you, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Thanks, buddy. Rap is law, and I'm passing the bar. All verses considered like I'm NP. Oh, and we are killing them, everyone I roll with Gunning for the top spot, the opposite of hopeless My flow is the dopest of anyone in showbiz No more riddling, I'm still so focused So how'd I blow up so quick? Because I got the type of rhymes to keep it cracking like a glow stick I-